Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Redder Podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Janelle Marie Pierce and her advocacy work in the STI-STD awareness space. We talk about her journey in the movement, progress she makes daily with educating people who know nothing about the scope of the issue, and general conceptions of health. I had a lot of fun with this interview, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Janelle. Hello, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. So you are very accomplished um, as an advocate. Um, kind of just describe some of the work that you do for these different projects and what that kind of looks like on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. So my primary role as executive director of the STIproject.com, that's primarily a website. And we also have a podcast and a YouTube channel. And then we're on all of the social media sites as well. And we really focus on three primary pillars, awareness, education, and acceptance. So we cover the gamut when we're talking about safer sex and STIs from prevention all the way to helping folks move past a diagnosis, move past that traumatic experience. I launched that in April of 2012 alongside STI STD Awareness Month, so a little over seven and a half years ago, and I've been doing it since. And as a result of that work, I've expanded, um, I just founded in the last year, the Herpes Activist Network, which is called HANDS, and that stands for Herpes Activist Networking to Dismantle Stigma. And we are 30 activists from across the globe who are speaking publicly about our status, our experience, and our perspective to reduce STI stigma, shame, and fear, and creating resources and tools for organizations, providers, as well as people who are living with herpes. And then lastly, I'm also the spokesperson for PositiveSingles.com, and PositiveSingles.com is a dating site for folks who have STIs. And so we have support resources and a typical dating platform like you'd see on any other dating platform, Mm -hmm. but we focus on the niche community that is folks who are living with an STI. So I wear a few hats, but um, but mm-hmm. it's always it's always it's a lot of fun actually. It's been it's been really rewarding, and I wouldn't take it back for the world. Well, and it's it's truly refreshing to me uh, when we when we connected uh, just to see someone doing this work. Um, it's it's I know that there is plenty of work to be done in dispelling all these stigmas, and uh, I think it's very healthy for all of us to remind um, one another that these are still people, and that we need to watch out. Uh, what kinds of things are being said about these individuals oh yeah absolutely and that's the thing is like they're the vast majority of all sexually active people contract an STI at some point in their lives and most don't know it because most people are asymptomatic and people aren't Mm -hmm. regularly getting tested so we make these assumptions like it's only certain kinds of people and oh Mm -hmm. I don't know anyone who has an STI like it's those kinds of people, and we categorize them and lump them into boxes, and mm-hmm. that just contributes to shame, that contributes to lack of testing, that makes prevention efforts impossible. And yeah, so I mean, it's a giant problem that I'm tackling as well as all of these other advocates. That's what the importance of about bringing these other advocates in, because I won't be able to do this alone. I can't do it on my own. I don't mm-hmm. represent all communities and all identities, and so 
that's the that's why it's necessary to have additional contributions from sexual health educators as well as other advocacy advocacy experts. Mm-hmm. And I'm always interested in in kind of what starts people off on these journeys, um, and, and because it is a lot of work and there's a lot of work to be done. So, you know, kind of tell the story maybe of what kind of sparks your in, interest in this. Uh, in this mission and and what kind of holds you there on a day-to-day basis oh yeah that's a good question i mean because like why would anyone want to be an sti expert and advocate and like who goes into that and so for sure when i was 16 years old i was diagnosed with genital herpes and i'm 37 Mm. now so I've uh, had herpes for 20 years. I'm actually celebrating my herpesversary, my herp day, or my herpes birthday. <laughs> That's a new so, one for me. Um, I've never heard long. that. <laughs> right. Well, and the thing is, is it's not that I'm celebrating having herpes because no mm-hmm. one wants an infection. I don't want a cold no. or the flu, and I understand that. I respect that, and I totally get it. And mm-hmm. if I could cure herpes and just get rid of it, I mean, I definitely would as long as there were no side effects or risks involved sure. or whatever. But it mm-hmm. really doesn't impact my day-to-day level, uh, my day-to-day perception of myself, it doesn't impact my relationships, and it never has. And it's not that it's never impacted me psychologically, because that Mm -hmm. definitely was a thing for a very long time, but it's never actually impeded my relationships or my ability to be successful, my education, my opportunities. Like, it really has not had this giant impact. And so that there is the crux. That's what motivated me that wait a minute, if this, if this hasn't really impacted me in the way that cultural culture assumes that it does and that we're all pariahs and monsters and dirty and trashy and damaged and now need to be mm-hmm. this subset, this microcosm of our culture, if that's not the truth, then why is it that we believe this about people who contract STIs Absolutely. And what is, where is the disconnect? And so I was looking for resources, looking for answers, and there really weren't a lot of resources that talked about stuff outside of just the clinical, factual, dry information. And while that's helpful, we definitely need that kind of stuff, the statistics, how to treat things and um, how to reduce risk and all of that is still relevant and necessary, but there wasn't anyone talking about like, what does it actually mean to contract an STD? What does that look like? How does that mm-hmm. impact your relationships? How do you talk about it with new partners? And so I thought, well, mm-hmm. if the resource isn't already out there, I can create it because I'm not in a place where it's traumatizing anymore. And I want other people to be able to get there too. So essentially that was the motivation and continues to be the motivation behind mm-hmm. it is creating resources and tools that I needed when I was diagnosed. Yeah. And, and kind of jumping off that, you know, what, you know, what's been the greatest success or, you know, kind of transformation story that you've been a part of throughout your journey in doing this, you know, either for someone that has contracted an STI or STD or um, for someone that might have been a part of that stigma, uh, but maybe, kind of came around and realized that that was that they weren't participating in something um they didn't realize the gravity maybe sure so i don't think there's any one particular story that stands out i get messages every day all day long in all of my social media inboxes and online in my contact form on the website directly of people saying, thank you so much. It's because of you that I started dating again. It's because of you Mm -hmm. that I still feel confident or that I got my confidence back. And because of the work I'm doing, not just necessarily me and who I am, but the work and the resources and tools that I'm putting out, um, that I'm creating. And so that 
to me is powerful and speaks to like how necessary this work is and how much we need to do to make it so that that, that isn't, I don't even get those messages anymore. I'd, I'd love to work myself out of a job essentially, but mm-hmm. there's a long way to go there. And I think yes. then the flip side of that is I've had conversations with folks. I'll sit down and have a beer at the bar and somebody will say, you know, like, what do you do for a living? And if I end up going into it and having that conversation, I've had so many people look at me and say, wow, I didn't, you don't look like somebody who would have herpes. And I'm like, well, what does that look like? <laughs> what does that? I, I, you what know, does a person that has herpes look like? Yeah, that's, that's a strange yeah, sentence. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and, it's, and I've heard it more than once. I mean, very regularly someone will say that to me. And then, and then it's a, it presents a wonderful opportunity. Sure. Instead of me shaming that individual for that, that kind of ignorant statement, which it really truly is, sure. I can say, where does that come from? What, you know, what do you think someone with an STI looks like? Why, who, who told you that initially? And why are you continuing that? Why does that continue in your head? So it's mm-hmm. a good opportunity to, to, to change the, the discussion and to make it something that's like really positive and beneficial for that individual as well so that they can have conversations with their partners going forward. I mean, all of that. So that too, um, even if the person doesn't have an STI or, you know, doesn't have any experience with an STI, that conversation in itself makes me feel like, all right, I'm doing something good because I'm helping expand and open up perspective and educate. Yeah, I think that's one of those cases where you really can, and it is a, and it's a fantastic opportunity just to kind of shine a light on their thinking because I think that it's it is ignorance and just the fact that they have probably never tried to even think about it that they had the conception that they had really was this kind of mist of a conception that, and that they just put it away and never kind of looked at it again. It's um, so it, that would be a fantastic opportunity to kind of be like, hey, this is something like to think about. And what's funny about that too, I mean, you're absolutely right that like most people aren't thinking about people with STIs on a daily basis. I mean, the only time that they're thinking about STIs is like, well, I definitely don't want one and how do I avoid one? And mm-hmm. when they're, when they want to be sexually active with a new partner, but they're not thinking of it from a practical perspective. And it's not necessarily their fault because we're often provided with just this abstinence only mm-hmm. fear-based sexual education that says you absolutely don't want an unplanned pregnancy and you absolutely mm-hmm. don't want an STI. And we're not talking to people from a real practical perspective. Like actually, if you are going to become sexually active when you choose to do so, when and if you do, it is highly likely that you'll contract an infection. And sure, you don't want one. So here are ways to reduce the risk. And then also if one happens, here's like what to do going forward. Here's the perspective, how to look at that. Here's what that means for you. There's going to be tons of people you meet like that. I mean, you know, we're not talking to people and meeting them where they're at. It's always from this like very authoritarian, moralistic standpoint that really does a disservice to people. It it does not empower people to make the decisions that are best for themselves and their bodies. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it's one of those things that, I mean, unless you are having to think about it and you kind of just use the, like you said, your, your background knowledge of it that you maybe learned in school. And it's so the moment where you have to consider it, whether it's, you know, having a beer with you or, or um, contracting an STI yourself, or maybe a partner that you have, maybe you have that conversation. It's kind of one of those things that's just not a very common thought. And that's what I think is so great about your advocacy is that you really are kind of restructuring all of that 
orientation uh, for people who are who've never even thought about this. So you can kind of be that point. Oh yeah. You're, you can kind of create a new conception uh, from your work. Well, right. It's really just trying to dismantle some of the problematic and harmful ideas and misconceptions we have around sexual health as a whole and then STIs and people with STIs and what mm -hmm. that means so that people can feel really confident so that they're mm -hmm. consensually making and decisions with their bodies and with their partners that really makes them feel good and safe and understood and respected. And I just feel like we're so worried and afraid of talking about sex and sexual health um, that we really miss the miss the mark in such a in such a large way when we're talking about STIs and prevention and and just overcoming that shame and it's it's yes. silly because everything is sexualized in our culture down mm -hmm. down to the toothpaste that we use you know like there's some sexy like robust person <laughs> on uh, with a, on a billboard with a tube of toothpaste and I right. mean that's how we sell everything so that's sex true. is everywhere and in movies and you know, everything that we do, all the media we consume, but we're not actually having conversations. It's just this yes. kind of like ask or don't ask and don't tell and don't don't really discuss it. And it should be more of a normalized conversation. I don't usually use the word should for a lot of things when talking about safer sex and bodies and sexual health, because I feel like no one has the right to tell anyone what they should and shouldn't do with their body. Mm -hmm. But when we're talking about the discussion piece, the education, we can't have education without communication. So mm -hmm. we should be talking about it more regularly. And whether that's just amongst close family members, whether that's in our social circles, I would love for it to be a little bit more of a dinner table conversation and for it to mm -hmm. come up as it as it comes up in life regularly, like for us to be discussing it so that when it comes time to be for people to make those decisions, they're not mm -hmm. so afraid of even talking about it. And they have the right language even to use to communicate with their partners like that in and of itself is a thing. Yeah. Well, and I think it speaks to the difficulty of your work, but also the, the profoundness of it as well, because you have a couple of different things. I think it's, it is absolutely the sexual element of it, that that's just a, a personal, it's, it's framed at least to be a personal sector of our life where I, I would tend to agree with you that it should be more of a dinner table conversation, but then also added to that, you have the health aspect of it. And I think that the way that our many cultures, in fact, work is to place an emphasis on health as the ideal, which in some ways it makes a lot of sense. But there's not a lot of advocacy out there for living with whatever you're living with. It's, it's very much just like, oh, have you tried this to fix it or whatever? Uh, and you start to feel broken. And that's, that's not a way to live your life. And you should just reframe the conversation around how am I going to live with this? How, what's my new life like? Um, kind of like you said, just celebrating your herpiversary. Um, <laughs> living your best life within it instead of trying to just end it and try to move um, on to something that might not be even possible. Oh, it's so true. I mean, we have this assumption that health is the absence of all infection, disease, yes. malady, ailments, so on and so forth. And that doesn't necessarily that first of all that wouldn't apply then to the vast majority of Americans. I mean, mm -hmm. we all contract infections. We all have symbiotic relationships with the microbes, mm -hmm. microbes that are living on our body, the little bugs in our Good eyebrows. Point. I mean, some of this stuff we forget that we 
that there is no 100% when we're talking about bodies and health anyways. There is no destination. It's more like we're somewhere along the continuum and how can we be a little bit more proactive, a little overall healthy, but health is not just either like I said, it's not just the absence of infection because health talks about our, we're forgetting that we're holistic, complete whole people and health Mm -hmm. is our relationship to Mm -hmm. the world around us, our relationship to our friends, family, partners, and our support and our social circles, our relationship to our bodies, as well as our relationship to nature and the things that we surround ourselves with, the things that we put in our bodies, like health is more than it's a multifaceted it's a multifaceted, there's a multifaceted approach to it rather than just one item. And, and if you have an infection, now you're unhealthy and that's yes. it. I mean, it just really doesn't, it's not practical and it's not helpful for us to have that viewpoint. So how do we, how do we do our very best to be as healthy as possible? And again, like I get it, like if I could cure herpes, I would, but I'm also going to celebrate that. That, and that's kind of the part of that, the herpiversary. It's 20 mm-hmm. years since I was diagnosed. And I'm going to mm-hmm. celebrate not that I have herpes, but that I'm not letting it define who I am. Yes. Just mm-hmm. because I have herpes doesn't mean I'm not a healthy person. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean I'm not a good and amazing, complete and whole whole individual. You know, there's so mm-hmm. much more to someone than just their status Absolutely. that identifies and defines them. Absolutely. So, you know, you're part of... Uh, a couple of different, very related um, causes. You know, you mentioned the STI project, which is a, which is a website. Um, Hands, another organization that you're involved with, and then also the Positive Singles. Uh, you know, kind of, how do these kind of talk to one another, work together uh, to kind of achieve a cohesive mission, if at all? I think that's a really great question because actually, none of these tools and resources by themselves are the complete answer and Mm -hmm. nor do they serve every community, all marginalized populations, all identities, so on and so forth. So what's great about it is like the STI project is a good initial stop Mm -hmm. that website in, in my social media pages and things like that. But then people like the herpes activists in the herpes activist network, which is 30 plus individuals, each of those individuals have some sort of specialty or niche. Some of them are sexual health educators, public health educators, YouTubers, podcasters, uh, school teachers. I mean, there's really a myriad of people from different professions and backgrounds. And then they also have different identities and they're part of different communities. And so what's cool about that is bringing those people together and saying, hey, we no one person can be like the one-stop end-all be-all for all people. And when mm-hmm. we're talking about sexual health, like everyone needs some sexual health background and knowledge mm-hmm. and understanding so that they can make good and good and thoughtful, healthy, consensual choices with their mm-hmm. bodies and their partner's bodies. So if that's the case, if we all need this kind of information, then we're going to need lots of people providing it, lots of people speaking to different niches and different communities. And that's also where positive singles comes in because positive singles addresses the dating aspect and it's a Mm -hmm. great way to like get your feet wet again and say hey if I'm really worried about this disclosure piece having to tell my status and share this kind of level of intimacy with someone I don't necessarily know super well yet Mm -hmm. um, if I'm super paranoid about that which naturally a lot of people are they're they're petrified of that disclosure of how am I going to talk about this because we don't talk about sex in general so how am I going to tell somebody this kind of thing about me so that's a great way to do it is like oh wait yeah I still got game like I still have it I can still do all the things like 
I'm the same person. I'm just mm-hmm. as amazing and wonderful and desirable and worthy as I was before. So all of those, each of those individual aspects provides another layer to help reduce the stigma, help normalize the conversation and dismantle that shame and fear that comes along with these, these misconceptions and this cultural mishmash that we've put together for ourselves. Exactly. And so what's next or, or kind of on the horizon for each one of these pro, uh, programs and, you know, what's the next big project or what's got you excited? Yeah. So Herpes Awareness Day is coming up on October 13th. So that's pretty, pretty fun. Um, the Herpes Activist Network is doing a large anonymous survey online. So if anyone finds me online, they'll be able to find the survey on my social media or on the Herpes Activist Network website. And we're going to compile all that data, share it so that we can amplify all of these stories and everyone's individual perspectives because everyone's individual perspective has, there's overlap similarities, of course, we all can relate to one another, but they're all unique. And we want to make sure that those voices are heard and that people have a safe way in which to do it. So we're going to be doing a lot of work around that on October 13th, but then moving forward, um, the activist network has three new committees and we're working on different facets, resources and tools, as well as media, press and representation. And then another, another awareness day will be coming up again six months from now. So those are big. And then the STI project just rebranded. We used to be the STD project. Mm-hmm. So now um, in an effort to be to be current and to make sure that we're inclusive and we are um, staying on top of language and making sure that w- we are representing, we are at least a safe space for all bodies, all identities, all orientations, all sexual mm-hmm. or all relationship structures. Mm-hmm. We're updating all of our language and making sure that we're, we remove some of the heteronormative and binary language sure. from our resources and tools. And then lastly, positive singles is adding a few more tools and resources to, to their platform. So they're a co- of course a dating platform, but then they've got, um, they have a support counselor who can answer questions oh, about STIs and STDs. They have a blog. They have a forum for individuals to share their stories and ask questions amongst one another. So they're expanding on that. They have about oh, over a million and a half members now, and that wow. just keeps growing. That's yes. Great. So all exciting, really. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And with all that being said, all that kind of motion, what's the best way that our audience uh, can kind of follow your journey? Sure. So probably the easiest way to find me is the STIproject.com or anywhere on social media. I'm at the STI project. Awesome. And so for the last question, I always like to ask kind of a fun question um, that we ask everyone that comes on the show, which is if you could have any superpower, what would it be? And why would you select that superpower? See, I'm like, oh, I'm so torn between two. I'm so indecisive. I mean, I'm not about all things, but I think. You could name the I two. I think I would say, well, okay, yeah, let me name the two. Let me name the two because they're both very, very different. I think I would like to be able to read minds. Mm-hmm. And of course, I say that now, and yep. I probably would regret that decision. And mm-hmm. so. <laughs> Um, however, I think it would help in the work that I do 
yeah. in the way in which like a lot of times one of the biggest struggles you were you were mentioning earlier like it's got to be tough and a little challenging with the with the topic that you're talking about and part of the challenge is even getting folks to uplift the messaging because of the severe level of stigma, how pervasive it is. You know, mm -hmm. like if you think about, for example, like the Susan B. Komen Foundation or the Wounded Warrior Project, people like and share and uplift and yeah. do campaigns for those things all the time. And they're not necessarily breast cancer survivors. They're not necessarily mm -hmm. veterans who are disabled. They're, I mean, they're not necessarily related directly to those things, but they, right. you know, they're really passionate about the project. But with the STI project, a lot of people are even afraid to like some of my posts and things. Yeah. So if I could like read folks' minds, because they're po petrified, of course, about being <laughs> correlated with it, like, oh, mm -hmm. that somebody might make the assumption then that they have an yeah. STI, which that doesn't necessarily have to be true. But again, so if I could read folks' minds of like, what would resonate how to reach the largest amount of people with these tools and resources, because that's essentially the goal, is to be able to have people to know that these resources exist so that they do feel supported and that they do have tools so that they can move forward past a traumatic experience. So I think I would like to be able to read folks' minds. And then if that doesn't work out for me, I'd like to be invisible. <laughs> so, so I could randomly... And, and actually, they're kind of similar they because then you could know yeah. and hear what people are like really thinking. Or I could sometimes I'm an introvert. It probably doesn't sound like it in this interview, <laughs> but I really spend a lot of time like in my own head and in front of my yes. computer and at home alone. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I mean, I, I do not get lonely. But what would be great is every once in a while when I'm traveling through an airport or if I'm doing like if I'm doing grocery shopping in my PJs, I would love to just push the invisible button and like not have to have those conversations conversations if I wasn't yes. in that headspace in that extroverted mode you know of that conversation so I mean it could go both ways but those are probably the two that I would pick yeah and it's I mean especially for the mind reading one I I feel like if you kept it just for your work then I would be relatively healthy you could you could just yeah just focus it just on that area but maybe um with you know someone in your family or something like that maybe just keep that anonymous <laughs> right if you could turn it on and off of course then you'd have to have that control and know your own yeah. mental boundaries of like not turning it on when it's going to harm you kind of thing and exactly. yeah maybe if it was just specific to the category of my work that'd be pretty cool and pretty powerful of course Awesome. Well, check out the STI project. Um, Janelle, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. It was my pleasure. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you guys so much for tuning to this episode of the Redder Podcast. If you like the show, you can go ahead and give this show a five-star rating, which really helps us get seen by new listeners. You can also share this episode on social media. And speaking of social media, we can be found at Redder News at Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.